Romans chapter 8 today. sure you have found that there are, there are times when you're talking to someone and you're, you just don't know what to say. You're, you're not sure how to respond, how to express yourself. The, the right words just won't come. Perhaps something awkward happens or embarrassing happens and you're, you're not sure whether to say something or not. Or uh, something very disturbing or aggravating happens and you're not sure what to say. You're so flustered and, and usually at times when I'm greatly agitated or angry, uh, whatever I say doesn't help the situation. You know what I mean? Amen. Better to just keep the mouth shut. <laughs> You don't, you don't know what to say and then often you wish you hadn't. Or, or perhaps something just wonderful happens. You know, um, like the, the TV show where they, they fix somebody's house and they're uh, uh, totally restored kind of a thing and then there's just the great reveal. They finally, people finally get to see it. And what do they say? What do they say when they finally get to see it and they're so excited? The same thing, <laughs> OMG, right? You, you would think the people who are doing these programs could be more original and give them a script. You know, why don't you try saying something like uh, this, for instance, but it's, but it's because we, we don't know what else to say. And so something like that just comes to the forefront and the, we're not sure what words to use or you are so enraptured in love that you're not sure what to say right honey <laughs> well all this difficulty in communication coming up with the right words is on a human level just one person talking to another uh, how about when it's between us and God? You ever find yourself not sure what to say? Not sure how to pray? Uh, something has happened and you're not sure what to say to God about it. Uh, you might be upset, angry, hurt. And you're not sure what to say to God. Or you may feel so close to God... Words cannot express it. Words are inadequate. You, you want to ask for something, but you're not sure because self is so much getting in the way, you're not sure how to, to say it. Well, in this area of communication, the most important area of our talking to God, God says He has given us a helper, the Holy Spirit, who intercedes for us. And that's what we're going to look at this morning at Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, starting at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well, the Holy Spirit helps us. He desires our perfection, our perseverance, and our participation. Likewise, the Spirit also helps. He desires our perfection. The likewise here looks back to um, something else. Look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation groans... With, and labors with birth pangs together until now. And remember as we, we looked at that last week, what was creation groaning for? The restoration of all things to, to be perfected. Verse 23, And not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. And our groaning, likewise, is, is to be made new, to be perfected. And now notice verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Holy Spirit Himself makes intercession with us, for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so those those three groanings, the creation groaning for restoration and perfection, our, our own selves groaning within ourselves for the perfection, and also the Holy Spirit groaning, uh, making intercession for us with groanings for our perfection, for the bringing about of God's ultimate good, which will happen. If you're a, a parent and you have watched your child try to ride a bike for the first time and you've, you get them going, you, you let them go and crash into a tree or something and they scrape their knee or something and they, they cry and so forth, but you, you groan with them when they crash. You're not, yeah, I'm glad you crashed. Let's crash again. There's a wall, you know, but you... You groan with them, you know. You, you want them to succeed. You want them to be able to ride, not fall down. And in a similar way, the Spirit groans within us because we are moving towards Christ's likeness, but we keep running into walls and obstacles, and He groans within us, desiring our perfection. And so that is one way which this word likewise, that begins verse 26, might point back in the previous context. There's another way, though, in which we could take it, and um, I don't think it's necessarily a choice between these two. They both could well obtain here. That is that the likewise is connecting back to the immediately preceding context of verse 25. So verse 26 starts with likewise. Verse 25 says, But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance and having ended on that note that section of uh, persevering in hope for what God has for us 
Likewise, in the, in the same way that hope sustains us in our weakness as we wait for the full deliverance, in that same way, the Holy Spirit sustains us and enables us to persevere. The hope we have enables us to persevere, persevere and the, the Spirit within us likewise enables us to persevere until we reach that perfection that He has planned for us. The Holy Spirit also desires our participation. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. He helps in our weaknesses. We are responsible to do our part. God desires us to be active participants in the Christian life. The Holy Spirit helps, but He does not do our part. We, we have from God service to perform. We have decisions to make. We have love to give, growth to accomplish, knowledge to attain, a mind to transform, a heart to devote, a message to share. We have all these things that God has called us to be active participants in. Now, we can do none of those things without the Spirit's enablement. We can do none of those without the Spirit's enablement. But the second part of that is equally true, and that is He will do none of these things without our involvement. We can do none of them without His enablement. He will do none of them without our involvement. Imagine that a, a friend asks you over to help them wash windows. You may wonder what kind of a friend that would be. Well, it would have to be a pretty close friend to be that bold to ask you to come over and help them wash windows, right? Well, let's say you arrive at their home and you're all ready to wash and you begin working and you notice they're just kicking back on the sofa eating pizza and drinking pop the whole time that you're washing windows and you thought this was going to be helping them well in the same way the spirit helps us but we can't just kick back and wait for him to do it all to finish the task and let us know when we're now perfected but the Holy Spirit does His part. He doesn't do our part. The Holy Spirit helps us. Um, if we ask God to help us grow spiritually, we can rely upon Him to do His part. But we need to be active participants. So He helps us. Well, why does the Holy Spirit help us? Well, first of all, <clears throat> because we are weak. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. It's for the very fact that we are weak that we need the help. If you were walking down the road and you saw a strong man carrying a bundle and you saw a small little girl carrying the same size bundle, which one would you be more inclined to help? The, the one who is struggling under the load, the small girl. Well, we need to admit that spiritually we are we're more like that small girl struggling under 
the weight we need help. Uh, the spiritually macho person who thinks they can go it alone, do it on their own, is doomed to fail. You know the the playground ride, the uh, a seesaw or a teeter totter. You know what I'm talking about? The two seats on either end. <clears throat> you ever tried to ride one of those alone? <laughs> you you become kind of earthbound in that, don't you? You need, you need someone else to, to make it work. Otherwise, you're just you're stuck on the earth. Well, it's, it's the same way in the, in the spiritual life. We need the balance of the Holy Spirit. We do our part. He does His part. And those two things work together. And we need to admit our need of the Holy Spirit's work without his enablement we can do nothing look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12 starting at verse 7 2 Corinthians 12, 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger from Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Really, the question behind this is, which would you rather have, the thorn removed or my strength? If you have the thorn removed, you don't need me. You can, you can handle not having the thorn. With the thorn there, you need me, and you will find me more than sufficient. Which do you really want? My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And in God's way of turning the world upside down, it is when we are poor that we are rich, when we are weak that we are strong. And so... For Paul to say here, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. That just means there's a great opportunity, if we are weak, for God to work mightily in our lives. And for us to admit our weakness and our utter dependence on Him is not a bad thing at all. It's a great thing to admit we are indeed weak. Notice that God's answer to our weakness is not to say, 
Get over it. God's answer to our weakness is not to say, get stronger. It is, trust me. Rely on me. I am your strength. Why does the Holy Spirit help us? Because we are weak. Secondly, in this particular area of prayer, the Holy Spirit helps us because we don't know how to pray as we ought. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So, not only are we weak, but specifically in this area of prayer. This is true of us all. It's not like those of us who are reach a certain spiritual level no longer need the Spirit to help us. This is true of everyone, of every believer who has ever lived. Note the plural pronouns here. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Who's included in that we? The Apostle Paul is saying, after all his life and all he's gone through, and being this apostle of God, this spiritual leader, he's, he's right in there with them, saying, me too. We do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We don't know. The amazing thing is, not only are we weak in the things of the flesh, which we readily acknowledge, but we are weak in the things which are spiritual endeavors, even like prayer. Even prayer, we are said to be weak. Notice that we, we ought to know, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We ought to know. Why don't we? Well, first of all, uh, Paul is not talking about the manner or, or the style of prayer, but the content of prayer. He's not talking about not knowing when to pray or whether you should be on your knees or standing up or lying down or have your hands folded. Or He's not talking about the manner of prayer, but the content, what you pray for. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. So why don't we know that? Well, a number of reasons could contribute to our ignorance. Let me just suggest a few that I, I think could um, apply to each of us, perhaps some more than others. But for one thing, our distance from God. Have you, have you noticed in your prayer life that the further away you get from God, the harder it is even to go to Him in prayer. And so if that distance has been growing for some reason, it makes praying hard, much less knowing what to pray for. And another reason is, if we are not familiar with His Word and His will, then that puts us at a great disadvantage in knowing what to pray for. Because much of 
what we should be praying for is revealed in his word. And so if we are lacking in that, that's going to handicap us. Another reason is our own selfish desires. Self gets in the way when we pray. And we don't know what we should pray for because we're so clouded by our own desires. This is what I want to happen and I so much want to happen that we cloud our own prayers. Or maybe there's a lack of faith on our part. We don't know what to pray for because maybe we're not really trusting God in this situation. The lack of faith becomes a hindrance. Or perhaps we are not used to praying, just not in the habit of prayer. And I, I have found the more I pray, the easier it is to pray. But when I start lacking in prayer and backing off from that, then it's harder to know how to pray. So we need to have a, a, a regular habit of prayer built into our lives. Speaking on the necessity of prayer, let me read some quotes from Leonard Ravenhill. He wrote, The, the church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Many who pay, but few who pray. Many wrestlers, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. And people who are not praying are playing. Another place he wrote, Two prerequisites of dynamic Christian living are vision and passion, and both of these are generated in the prayer closet. The ministry of preaching is open to a few. The ministry of praying is open to every child of God. Don't mistake action for unction, commotion for creation, and rattles for revivals. And, and finally, this is my favorite uh, quote from Leonard Ravenhill. The secret of praying is praying in secret. A worldly Christian will stop praying and a praying Christian will stop worldliness. A worldly Christian will stop praying. And a praying Christian will stop worldliness. Well, since God says we ought to know, likewise the Spirit helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Since we ought to know, it seems like we ought to be doing something to correct the situation. So, for instance, if it's because you're just not used to praying, you don't pray all that much, well, you ought to be praying every day, multiple times a day, throughout the day, be in constant communion with God. If it's because you don't know His Word, then, then be in His Word. There are things that you can do to help this area. But even with that, we will never outgrow our weakness. It doesn't mean we just leave it alone. We do what we can. We work on it. We remove what obstacles we can. 
but we will never completely outgrow our weaknesses. Again, for instance, consider that the Apostle Paul includes himself in this list. Um, And he never says that the answer to the dilemma is that we should seek to eradicate this deficiency. So we can and we should work on it, but we will never completely outgrow our weakness in this life. We will always be weak. Therefore, the answer is not found in us. The ultimate answer is found in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. We will always need God's help until we arrive at glory. Now, we ought not to sin, right? Can we agree on that? We ought not to sin. God says, be holy as I am holy. So we shouldn't sin at all. But we do. Will we ever reach a point in this life where we don't sin? So we have both things. God says, you ought to obey me. You ought not to sin. And yet we still do. What's God's answer for that? Intercession. Look at verse 34 here. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. We are not perfect. We ought to not sin, but we do. And so we need an intercessor. Jesus Christ himself, the righteous one, our advocate, is at the right hand of God, always living to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25. Now, along the same line, we ought to know how to pray. We ought to know what to pray for. But we don't. What's the answer to that? Intercession again. See verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And the Holy Spirit helps us. Why? Because we are weak. And secondly, because we don't know what to pray for as we ought. He makes intercession for us. And now, we want to look at that a little bit more closely in closing here. How does the Holy Spirit help us in this area? How does He do it? Well, several things to consider here. First of all, He intercedes personally for us. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us, meaning on our behalf. The the Spirit Himself, He doesn't send an angel to help us pray, to teach us how to pray. He Himself who indwells us, He personally does this ministry within us. Secondly, He intercedes silently with groanings which cannot be uttered. 
He, he intercedes, he prays for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I have to stop here and get a little bit technical for a minute because this is a misunderstood verse and phrase. Some people mistakenly teach that this, that this verse teaches that Christians are supposed to have a special prayer language. That is, when you go into your prayer closet and you talk to God just between you and Him, that the way you pray is in tongues and a special prayer language. And that is a heavenly kind of a language that is given to you specifically for prayer. That the teaching that that is so is based upon this verse in particular. And you could see how, just on the surface of things, a person could arrive at that. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Well, let me give you five reasons why it's not teaching that. First of all, this verse includes all believers. Uh, we noticed that before, the plural pronouns, we and our and so forth. This verse is intended for every believer, but the gift of tongues was not given to every believer. 1 Corinthians 12 says that the Holy Spirit distributed the spiritual gifts severally as he saw fit, and not everyone had the the gift of healing, not everyone had the gift of tongues, not everyone had the, the gift of teaching, for instance. So, um, if it's talking about a sp special gift, the gift of tongues, then that was not included or intended for all. Secondly, you search Scripture, especially the New Testament, tongues are never mentioned in any other place in connection with intercession. And you would think that if God were alluding to this or suggesting it here, that it would be, you would see it in the life of the church or you would see it commanded somewhere else. Here's how you have a prayer language with God. But it's never mentioned anywhere else in connection with intercession. Probably the most, um, the strongest argument is this. It is with words which he intercedes with groanings, rather, which cannot be uttered. Now, some translations say uh, with groanings which are too deep for words or uh, that words cannot express. And that's kind of the idea. It's, it's um, beyond words is, is, I think, basically what those translations are trying to get to. Too deep for words that words cannot express. Well, that would be true of any kind of words, whether you understood them or not. Um, the weakness of those translations, though, is that the term word is not used here. It does not appear in this verse. Uh, the, the Greek compound word here is literally not utterable. He makes intercession for us with groanings which are not 
utterable. The groanings are literally not utterable. And then the word utterable comes from the Greek word laletos, which means vocalized. They cannot be vocalized. They're not going to come out of your vocal cord. They're not go- it's not going to ever eventuate into a word of any kind because it's never going to be vocalized at all. With groanings which cannot be uttered, cannot be vocalized. Fourth reason is um, because this is on behalf of or for us. You see, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And verse 27 says, Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit and because he makes intercession for the saints. The idea of him interceding for the Greek word hupere, which means on behalf of, on behalf of, not through us, but instead of us. See the difference? If it was through us, there could be a sense in which we were a channel and the, and the vocalization of it somehow came out of us. But it's not through us, it's who pair, it's on behalf of us or instead of us in our place. It's the same word used in Romans 5, 8 where we read that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died who pair us, for us, meaning in our place. It's not like we kind of died for us and he finished it or something. It's not a, he, he did it instead of us doing it at all. He died instead of us in our place. That is the word used here, that the Spirit makes intercession for us, not through us, but in our place, instead of us. So it's not something that we give expression to at all. And then, verse 27 leads us to believe that it does not need to be spoken at all. Because, look at verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Does not need to be spoken in the same way that... What it's saying here is that that God, the Father, knows what the Spirit is thinking all the time. The Spirit doesn't need to vocalize it, to say it, to express it in that way, for God to all of a sudden know what it means. Any more than you, in your own spirit, thinking something in yourself... You don't need to say it out loud for your mind to hear it for you to know that's what you're thinking. It doesn't have to be given that kind of vocalized expression. Now, you may talk to yourself, and that's okay too, but you don't have to in order for the the thought within you to make sense to you. The same thing, the Holy Spirit, His thoughts, His Intercession does not need to be vocalized for God the Father to know what it is. So, he makes intercession for us. And finally, he intercedes perfectly. 
Again, verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. He doesn't have to be taught that or learn it or uh, for it to be expressed in any way. And it's because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It is the, the intercession that the Holy Spirit makes on our behalf is always according to the will of God because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God. You, you know, if you have someone who does something for you, they substitute for you, fill in for you, whatever it is. You would like it to be done well if it's done in your name, if it's done on your behalf, if it's done in your stead. Well, the Holy Spirit never fails in interceding for you. He always gets it perfect. Every time He intercedes for you, it is exactly right. And have you ever wondered in your own prayer life, uh, what, if I, what if I pray the wrong way? What if I ask for the wrong thing? What if, what if I use the wrong words? What if I pray outside God's will unknowingly? Well, have confidence that the Holy Spirit takes our feeble, weak attempts and perfects them. He doesn't just make it a little better. He takes our feeble attempts at prayer and He perfects them so that they are entirely according to the will of God. As Here's a caveat. As long as your heart is right with God. You might want to, later on when you have time, check out James 4, for instance, where James says, you ask and you do not have. And why? Because you ask amiss, that you may consume it on your own lust. That is, you ask in a selfish way, just for your own self, not considering others, your heart is not right. It's not right towards others. It's not right towards God. And if your heart is not right, then the Holy Spirit is not going to correct that prayer. But if, and you get what you deserve from God. But if your heart is right with God, you don't have to worry about, am I going to use the right words, say it the right way? Could I mistakenly be outside God's will? No. If your heart is right, he takes that, that prayer and he perfects it so that by the time it reaches the throne of heaven, it is exactly what it ought to be to your father's ear. It's a beautiful illustration in book of Revelations chapter 8 where the throne room in heaven and, and between scenes of awful destruction on the, on the earth God calls a, like a ceasefire, so to speak, in heaven. And the angels bring the prayers of the saints and mix them with incense. And the prayers of the saints are poured out before the throne of God. And everything waits in heaven and earth while God the Father 
breathes in that sweet aroma of the prayers of the saints, which are perfected. He delights in those prayers. And all else that he's doing has to wait while he takes that in. He wants you to pray. And he will perfect that prayer to be exactly what it ought to be every time. You have a quote in your notes there from Chrysostom. He was a famous pastor at Constantinople. Um, by the way, Dania, he was uh, one of the leaders of the Greek Orthodox Church that came with a split from the Western Roman Church. <clears throat> Constantinople became a capital of uh, what became the Greek Orthodox <clears throat> but around the year 400 A.D., so 1,600 years ago, here's what Chrysostom said. He was, by the way, he was called Chrysostom the Golden-Tongued. The potency of prayer has subdued the strength of fire. It has bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, expanded the gates of heaven, overcome diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of a thunderbolt. Prayer is the all-sufficient penalty, a treasure undiminished, a gold which, a mine which is never exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by storm. It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. In this, the, the most important endeavors of your spiritual life, your communion with God, you have divine aid. The Holy Spirit himself makes intercession for us. But you have to do your part. The Holy Spirit helps us you have to pray you have to come to God he will make it right he'll fix it up he'll perfect it but you have to come to God and pour your request and your heart out to him let's pray heavenly father what a great blessing it is to not have to be concerned about our our prayers reaching you because the Son of God has torn the veil in two and we have access to your throne. And you bid us to come with boldness before the throne of grace to find help in time of need. And not only that, but you have placed your Holy Spirit within us who makes intercession for us, who always answers according to your will. And God, we thank you for the, the privilege of prayer May we be found to be more constant in it and trusting you in it, knowing that you pray for us. In Jesus' name, amen.